Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today once again by my colleague, Luke Curtinine. Luke, how are you? Ted, how are you? Good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's good having you on a lot. I've been, you know, I've been trying to rotate our guests, and I will, again, try to rotate guests so we don't get to hear your lovely voice quite so often. But uh, as I am currently, and we, and we will discuss uh, further, I'm currently in Florida, uh, operating with relatively small windows to podcast here. So you're the guy. Nice. No, I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure as always, Ted. Your availability is always appreciated. <laughs> of all the things, availability has never been my, uh, my, pro- my uh, pressing problem for me. <laughs> if there's one thing I could say about Luke Curtinine, it's that he's here. <laughs> if all else, if nothing else, rather, I am here and available. Uh, well, you know the drill. Uh, we like to, uh, in the early show of the week, discuss our favorite things that have has- happened recently. Uh, I like to go first so you can have the last word. And, and I'll start with, with where I'm at, which is uh, uh, spring training. And, and I know I've brought this up on, on recent episodes of the podcast, my, my excitement for spring training. It's now actually here. All teams have had pitchers and catchers report. I actually just got back from, from seeing the Mets very briefly on my way to, to go see the Marlins, who are practicing this afternoon. And, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers is sort of a it's, a, it's a divisive term, I guess, among baseball fans. There are a lot of fans who are just so excited for any sort of baseball activity that the, the term, you know, the, the frequently repeated phrase, pitchers and catchers, gets them very excited. There are others who feel, and I think accurately, that, you know, spring training is a little long. A lot of the news out of spring training is uh, sort of tenuous at best. You, you always hear who's in the best shape of their lives. You always hear which pitchers are, are working on new pitches or, or new deliveries or new uh, new grips on, on pitches, stuff like that. And a lot of it, you know, by the time the season comes around, doesn't really matter all that much. But uh, I'm in the first camp, for sure. I, I, I guess I get uh, every winter sort of... I get a little go into a little bit of a funk when when baseball ends and there's no real baseball news. You can you can track the off season, but you know it's, it it pales in comparison to actual baseball stuff happening. Uh, and you know by the time spring training rolls around every year, I'm just so psyched to be there. And and so now uh, being here and we'll discuss Florida in a little bit, but. Uh, being in Florida and, and seeing the grass, you know, after uh, uh, the, a rough couple of days of winter in New York, we had some snow finally, and uh, so, you know, it's a perfect time to get out of the Northeast, and a, a great place to be in general uh, at, at in spring training, uh, watching baseball guys do baseball stuff. I must say, it always strikes me as interesting when it comes to baseball, two things. That one, like, it must, like, like for most people, like football fans, for example, it kind of feels weird, but in a good way, when it is football season. You know, it's like one of the 20 weeks a year where you're just so happy that it's football time. Whereas with you, like, it must feel really, it, it, the only time it must feel weird is when there's, there's no baseball because the season's just so long. And it's, it's different from other sports. And the, and the other thing about the sort of uh, comparatively short baseball offseason compared to other sports is that, you know, in every other sport, like, somebody can nestle away for, like, months on end. You know, a quarterback can go work on his mechanics for months on end. Whereas with baseball, like, 
you kind of have to, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of have to figure this stuff out throughout the season because you're just constantly playing. You know, in soccer, like, uh, for example, which again has a pretty uh, short off-season, you don't really see, like, wholesale changes in off-seasons. You see them, like, kind of uh, tinker around with things in the off-season, but they're mostly just, like, uh, tinkering or tinkering as they go throughout the regular season because there's no other option. There's no time elsewhere. Yeah, it's kind of a sport of constant adjustments, and, you know, some people like to poo-poo that talk. I don't. You know, I think that guys will, it's because of, and I think it's at its nature, it's because of the, the pitcher-batter uh, matchup and how that works. You know, if, if this guy has uh, discovered a new slider and, and it's working, you know, he's going to use that slider and he's going to get a bunch of outs for a long time, and then guys are going to sort of figure out that slider, and now he's got to find a new weapon to, to mix with that slider. And, uh, yeah, it is a sport of sort of constant tinkering. I think also, you know, because this, the season is so long, it necessitates, if you talk to most guys, just about a month off after the season. Uh, uh, guys will work out and they'll do cardio and stuff like that, but uh, most baseball players, as soon as the season ends, they, they shut it down for a little while. Um, just because, you know, it's such an incredible grind going through uh, not just spring training, but then the 162-game regular season, and then for a lot of guys, you know, up to, I don't know, 30 more games after the, after the regular season. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, that's, that's a lot. Uh, not, not 30 more games, but up to uh, 20 more games, 14 plus 5. Yeah, you, you could play up to 20 more games. Few do, but uh, you, you could get there, and uh, it takes a lot out of you. There's a lot of travel. There's a, I mean, I know from just from covering the sport that I'm exhausted by the end of the baseball season. I don't even have to play baseball. Uh, so this is sort of the time when everything is fresh and everything is hopeful, and, and I guess one of the things, among others, that I like about spring training is that everybody's it's all the news is good for a while and and these you know the camps sort of separate into their own little bubbles and inside that bubble there's like only hope at least for the first parts of spring training before guys start getting injured uh it's just you know every team is sort of squinting at the guys they've got in camp and seeing a way they might be a contender a way they might win the world series and you know it's not going to happen for 29 out of 30 teams but Every, every team believes it, uh, at least most teams believe it. Um, you know, p professional athletes obviously have, you know, worlds of confidence in their abilities. And so this is kind of the, the optimistic time to be a baseball fan, and I think to be a fan of really all 30 teams. I think that's, a, I think that's fair. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how the uh, Cubs, you know, and the fans and the players and everything, um, re well, not rebound is exactly the wrong word, but... Um, uh, move through this uh, this obviously this incredible historic season. I mean, it's just so out of their comfort zone, and even though they're the best team in baseball, like, it's just going to be an interesting little case study, I think. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think, you know, it's, it's that again, it's such an individual sport in so many ways, right? Like, the Cubs are the team that won the World Series, but every single guy on the Cubs can point to something he did not do as well as he would have liked to do last year. And will, in spring training, be targeting that thing and trying to get better at it. And maybe they won't. And, and I think that, you know, you can sort of look at a, a back of the baseball card and, and see the ways you can expect guys to improve and, and the ways they, they will likely never improve. Um, but in spring training, again, it's a time when all of those things are within the realm of possibility. Uh, you know, any, any scrub... Uh, you know, quad A sort of outfielder guy might 
become Jose Bautista this year. Maybe he reconfigured his swing and found something new and, and is going to hit 30 home runs. Probably not, but it's fun to think about and it's fun to watch. And I say this every year, but if you're a baseball fan and you've got a team, uh, it's it's a real, real fun thing to do to come to spring training. If you just want to appreciate how good baseball players are at baseball, you don't get it from TV the same way you do uh, when you're at spring training just because you you have access that's unlike any other time of the year to, to your favorite players and you can you know walk around every every club has has practice fields that are open that you can walk right up to and sort of stand right behind the cage and watch you know Bryce Harper take batting practice and hear you know the the bat speed and 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 the ball off the bat and how much power he has uh, and it's dope it's just a really fun thing to do I think I, I, I've been to spring training a few times, not to cover it, just as a fan. I must say, I do like the vibe of spring training. Like Super baseball's key, pretty, yeah, yeah, baseball's pretty laid back as it is when it comes to like being a fan at games. But like spring training is like you just—it's a little more laid back than laid back, and uh, you have sun too, so it's it's generally a pretty fun atmosphere. Yeah, it's like a it's like an extended picnic with guys playing baseball in the background. You know. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's uh, we 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 got to keep this fairly quick today. Let's get to your first top thing. Yes, my first top thing is the Mayweather-McGregor uh, rumor that's going around. Tell me um, about this. Yes, so it's pegged as the new sort of super fight. It would be Mayweather's 50th fight, and of course he's 49-0 at this point, so if he does get to 50 straight wins, um, that would be an all-time record. It's sort of historic, uh, potentially historic uh figure that Mayweather has a chance to get to, but nobody really thought he was going to even bother to get to it. They kind of thought he would retire. He's fought, he has a history of ducking fights, and he's kind of fought everyone there is to fight. But then May, Mayweather, uh, McGregor comes along, which, you know, at first I was so skeptical, or not skeptical, I was just not optimistic about, like, this fight uh, being any good, really. Like, Mayweather is a... Uh, is an incredibly defensive uh, counter-punching boxer. He's like a tactician, like, right? He's a tactician, exactly. And, like, you know, I love, I, I love watching Mayweather fight because I'm a boxing fan and I think he's kind of a genius in what he does. But in terms of mainstream like, uh, attractability, he's not going to give you one of these, like, Rocky Balboa-type fights. Um, With, and, like, like, 200 uncontested headshots. Exactly. You don't get a lot of fights like that in general. Well, it's funny, like, I remember before the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, like, not to, uh, not to call out Denzel Washington here, but Denzel Washington got on camera, and they were like, yeah, any predictions for the fight? He's like, yeah, I think Mayweather knocks him out in three. And I was like, have you ever watched yeah, a Mayweather fight? Yeah, that's not fight? his deal, right? He like, usually ever? Wins. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Like, it's, it's like saying, like, Alex Smith is going to throw, like, five Hail Mary. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, um, but, so anyway, so it's going to be a pretty bad fight. I think, like, Mayweather's going to destroy McGregor, just not by punching him, but just by, like, pity-patting him around. That said, now that it looks increasingly like it's going to happen, the rumor is that uh, they've actually started opening talks and they're getting pretty close to a deal because it would be a massive payday for everyone involved. I've kind of come around to it just because even though Mayweather's going to win, like, it's just going to be so weird. Like, it's going to see, to see, like, one of the top five boxers of all time fighting a UFC star who 
can't box really. Like the guy, like the guy is a UFC fighter. Like the sports are fairly similar, but he's going to get destroyed. But it, it's like, of course, I'm going to tune in. This is going to be so weird. I kind of want to see what it looks like when you put these two guys in a ring together. Yeah, it's sort of like an ultimate hypothetical type situation, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I, would, I mean, I would really, ideally, love it if they followed up then with an MMA fight. And obviously, that's not going to happen either because McGregor would. I mean, I, I think that that would probably mean like serious life danger to Mayweather, right? Because McGregor would just destroy him. Um, oh, just, uh, yeah. I, I'm curious how a guy, and I, and I know so little about MMA and UFC, but I'm curious how a guy like McGregor, who is a seasoned and, and obviously a, a celebrated UFC fighter, can suppress the instinct to just tackle a guy and wrestle him to the ground and start kicking him and everything, right? I would just feel like if every bit of my training to date involved MMA fighting. You know, it was sort of like an on anything goes or almost anything goes approach to defeating your opponent and now you're going to impose boxing rules upon this guy. I, I just don't see how instinct doesn't kick in and he doesn't start kicking him. Yeah, and so not only you exactly right there. Like you're not only handicapping his biggest strength, but like you're going up against the thing that Mayweather is like the best in box, literally the best in boxing history, at do like he is a master counterpuncher. Like if he if he sees that you're a fraction of an inch exposed, like he punishes you for, it, you know. And so like then you so basically you take away like every, uh, you know eighty percent of what McGregor has trained himself to do and tell him he can only f box. Like May uh, McGregor can't just throw punches at as high a level as Mayweather. Like, sure, he may hit harder, but, like, the process of getting there, he's constantly leaving himself opening, he's opening up his body, and he'll get just, he'll just get jabbed, and uh, Mayweather throws signature straight right hand just a thousand times this before McGregor even has the chance to land a punch, because that second that he opens himself up for that big right hand, like, he gets hit with three punches. Like, this is a classic Mayweather fight, and that it's... A, classic like boondog or payday that's uh, it should be the easiest victory of Mayweather's career quite literally but again like it's kind of a hypothetical I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like okay all that aside I kind of just want to see what it looks like to see these two in the ring together yeah it kind of goes back to something I know will never happen but is an idea I have long supported which is just like Picking a year and being like, okay, let's say 2022 is going to be the year that all professional sports just sort of take off, and instead of having an NFL season and an MLB season and an NHL season and everything else, uh, we just have all of the best athletes compete against each other in everything. Right, because I'd also like to see what LeBron James does in an MMA fight. You know, just... It, I, yeah, I, it, it's exactly. It's one of the great hypotheticals, right? Like, how good would LeBron James be in the Olympics? Like, would the Cleveland Browns beat Alabama? Like, even though you kind of know the outcome of these things, you kind of want to see it happen. Just to, like, see what happens. Absolutely, and a, and a lot of it, I guess, comes down to, like, you know, the value of specialization in your sport versus the value of your pure athleticism. And, and I've long held that, you know, there is something beyond strength and speed and size in just being good at sports, you know, and like I, I think, uh, you know, you can think of so many examples. The one I always think about is Barry Sanders. Like he, he just wasn't, he was fairly small. He wasn't the fastest guy in the football field ever. He was just 
better at being a running back than everybody else. He just had instincts that no one else had. Now, are those instincts specific to football, or would Barry Sanders have been, you know, almost as good as a basketball player? You know, if, if it's, is it just, you know, that, like, sort of sport genius that some guys have and some guys don't? I don't know, and that's why I would love this hypothetical scenario where all sports don't happen and we just pick all our favorite athletes and watch them do everything else. Uh, I don't know what would need to happen for, for this circumstance, but uh, I can expect that it won't because I guess the, the big thing would be, well, you know, if, if you put LeBron James on a football field, then maybe LeBron James hurts himself and we don't want that. So it's not going to happen, but it's a cool idea. And, and I think, you know, same goes for this Mayweather-McGregor fight, which will happen uh, and is a cool idea. It's probably a, a much better idea than it will be a fight. Yeah, I'm, Ted, when you run for uh, king of the world, this can be part of your platform. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and you can put it to the people. I mean, I think I could, I could, like, force that. You could make pretty much anything part of your presidential platform now, right? Oh, so yeah. I would probably, I could run on the... Uh, let's reconfigure sports for a year ticket and, and see how it goes. Um, win, win by landmark margins over all the people preaching economic austerity. I'm going to move on to my next one, and this is something we talked about a little bit yesterday, I believe. Um, the state of Florida, which is related to my first thing, but my second thing is just Florida in general, and, and it's weird, I guess, it's weird to think of it as, a, as an all-good thing. You know, there's some... Uh, extremely seedy aspects to Florida, but to me that's part of the charm. Florida has, uh, especially, I, I think uh, the northern part of Florida, to me, just feels like Georgia or Alabama or other parts of the south. But once you get, like, into the, the uh, like, the sort of hanging-off peninsula part of Florida, uh, where I am right now and where I will be for the next ten days, Florida definitely has its own thing going on, which is sort of this mix of, like, you know, sort of lovely old people going out to golf and then just, like, the sketchiest people in the world. Um, several people on any given day in Florida will be like, hey, man, can I borrow your cell phone? And, you know, it's always, I mean, I, I hate to not help out people in need, but... I don't know if I want Florida men randomly using my cell phone, right? And, uh, of course, I reference, you know, Florida Man, which is one of the funniest Twitter accounts in history, uh, which simply, you know, rebrands re every AP headline starting with Florida Man as though it is a superhero um, named Florida Man, the world's worst superhero. And uh, that has so affected the way I, I see things in Florida that I'm in Publix and I'm seeing how every single guy might be Florida now. Yeah, you know, I, and we were kind of agreeing on this. I've spent a lot of time in Florida because I'm a big, I was a golfer in college and in high school. and Lots of golf here. Lots of golf in Florida. Um, and the thing that I do like about Florida and res even respect about the seedier uh, aspects of the state is that it's, it's generally, or genuinely rather, quite diverse, really. I mean, a lot of people say that they want their state, for example, to have a lot of diversity, but they don't really. What they want is kind of uniformity the way they think they want it, um, without getting too deep. But, like, Florida kind of offers genuine diversity between places, right? Like, you have Miami, which is so different from Tallahassee, which are both really different from a place like Tampa and Orlando. And you have people coming from all over the country. You have a 
big, uh, you know, you have big immigrant uh, immigrant populations in various parts of the state. You have northerners uh, retiring. That you have uh, really southern. You have a really southern aspects of the state. So it, I kind of like the fact that in Florida you kind of have this like plurality of all different kinds of things going on, right? Like um, you can go to Northwest Florida, and it is a completely different feel to the entire place than uh, than southern Florida, like in Key West or Miami, for example. And I respect that. You know, it's kind of nice to have uh, to go to a state where you can get so many different little uh, different little cultures within this one big state. I would say the one thing that Florida lacks is subtlety. And that pretty much everyone in Florida is being about as Floridian as they can be, no matter which way they choose to be Floridian. <laughs> I think that's fair, but I'd like to hear you explain a little well, bit. Well, like, I feel like every time it's like, man with face full of tattoos commits crime, that's in Florida, and it's a guy with more facial tattoos than you could possibly imagine. And, and uh, Florida is the only place I've ever, I don't know if this is, the, is, this is actually the case, but uh, last year in spring training, I was filling up my car with gas, and some guy came up to me, and he was like, hey, man, how's it going? I was like, oh, good, and he was like, I'm about to buy some cocaine. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> and he was like, you want to go in on it? Like, no, I don't, and how often are you soliciting strangers at the gas station for to join you in a cocaine purchase, right, and I feel like that's the, the, that's the type of thing that has just, I've been, to, I've been to 46 states, and that has only happened to me in Florida. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's I, a small sample size type thing, but I feel like that sounds very, that sounds like a very Florida type interaction. Yeah, the one thing that confuses me about Florida, and again, this could be a small sample size and totally wrong, is that part of the reason why Florida man exists is because it's just a big state with a big population. Sure. That said, Texas and California are also really big states. And I don't feel like, again, it's super anecdotal, that we have as much Florida type, Florida man type incidents coming across, uh, coming across the wires on a daily basis. But again, totally anecdotal, happy to be proved wrong. No, I think there's a case to be made. I think we have like a, a picture in our head of Texas man, and it's pretty static. You know, I mean, obviously there's tons of diversity in Texas. That's not what I'm saying. But like the, at least stereotypically, like Texas guy is wearing a big hat and boots and a, and a belt. And these are Texas man's opinions on stuff, and, and he doesn't live in Austin, that's like the weird little pocket of Texas that's a bit different than the rest, but uh, yeah, I think that Florida, it has a lot going on, and all of it is pedal to the metal, and I think there's actually no better represent, representative of that, or representation of that, than Florida Rock Radio, which only plays songs that make me giggle for how, like, over-the-top rock songs they are, even if they're good, for like you, you don't hear "We Will Rock You" on the radio a lot of times outside of Florida, but Florida, it's like "We Will Rock You" is like every fifth song on the classic rock rotation, and and the other ones are like uh, are like "Here I Go Again" and "Stairway to Heaven," which is obviously a great song, but like also a, a completely unsubtle uh, sort of over the top epic song. Like Florida just never dials it back; just goes for it, right? Uh, unless unless you're driving, in which case. Everybody drives the speed limit, which is <laughs> baffling to me. But uh, I got my theories. All right. So next on my list is 
The Simpsons. Just want to shout them out quickly. Um, they've done an amazingly good job of predicting stuff. Um, I don't know if you saw our colleague Steven's post yesterday about how they snuck in a Super Bowl joke after the fact um, in a rerun of the episode, which was fun. But also, like, they predicted Lady Gaga's entrance through the roof of a Super Bowl. And I guess the thing that not only is it impressive that they're actually imp and funny that they're actually predicting these things, I kind of am just curious, like, which way, uh, like, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation. Like, which one's coming first? Are people kind of watching The Simpsons and getting ideas? Yeah, or like maybe Lady Gaga was like, huh? That's kind of a good idea. Or is it that The Simpsons just comes up with the most absurd, like, f slash funny uh, ideas, and then the world five years later, starts happening upon them thinking that they're good ideas. <laughs> well, like, the Wolf Castle character going into politics happened on The Simpsons before Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's clearly his inspiration, actually went into politics. Right, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, part of it I would, get, I would guess is, like, that The Simpsons has such an enormously large sample size at this point that you can, like, go back and find everything the, like, someone's going to create a monorail and the monorail's going to you know, not work, and everybody's going to be like, oh my god, just like The Simpsons predicted. But that's because there are, like, a thousand Simpsons ep episodes, so they, they've kind of had to touch on mostly everything. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I have no problem, no problem giving, giving ups to The Simpsons, uh, if not for just sheer longevity, then for uh, the, the creativity of some of their predictions. Yeah, and, and and the one thing that's making this possible is that no one's counting it when they get wrong, when they get the, these ridiculous sort of half predictions wrong. Well, right, because right, it's just a show. It's just a show, but when they get them right, it's just so funny to look back. So props to The Simpsons. And that was, I mean, that was even an old South Park joke about how hard it was for them to come up with stuff that The Simpsons hadn't done, right? And so, and you know, they're still going too, and I would say probably a better show at this point than The Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons, I would say, you know, historically better show. South Park, more, at least more entertaining to me in 2017. But, uh, yeah, but um, I think Simpsons' longest-running sitcom in history, right? I think so, and yes, I know I'd agree with you on the South Park point. Um, I'm on Team South Park on this one. All right, last one for me. Um, and something, this is something that I'm surprised I haven't done yet, but I guess it's just that... I haven't really hosted the show during baseball season. The Cleveland Indians are so good at Twitter uh, from their official Cleveland Indians account. Uh, most recently, they burned the Sacramento Kings pretty hard because the Kings, like, sort of pulled the, the, the Indians into a discussion about uh, how the Indians having blown a 3-1 lead, which is obviously the, the main joke on NBA Twitter is about teams blowing 3-1 leads. The Indians pointed out accurately that the Kings haven't led in a postseason series in 14 years. Uh, and I love how contentious the Indians' Twitter account can be. Like, they will, they will pick fights. They will, like, jump in in other people's fights. And, and it's funny. Like, it's legitimately funny, which I think is really rare for a team, official team Twitter account, which are, like, in many cases just used for, like, here's team news, we've acquired this guy, we signed this free agent, whereas the Indians are using Twitter the way Twitter is meant to be used, which is for having some fun. And so, uh, props to the Indian social media team. Props to them. Also, like, I always respect, it's so easy to pick on uh, sort of brands when they get it wrong, um, but it's, it, when they get it right, it's 
really worth praising because you're you can't just say you know this person writing these tweets and the social media mind behind this isn't just uh, allowed to sort of be funny you know he has to kind of toll the party line right. um, in a lot of cases so like it's this it, it's this tough balancing act between like what you're actually allowed to say and also saying things that actually make things interesting and the Cleveland Browns definitely uh, excuse me the Cleveland Indians um, definitely do that uh, Cleveland Browns not so much <laughs> yeah no, the, the it was cool during the postseason I was uh, in Cleveland I was set up my seat just happened to be right behind the dude running the Indian social media accounts and it was fun watching him work. It was like this guy's like kind of a legend in some circles, and and here he is like looking at tweet deck, jumping on people he can make fun of. And I, I appreciate. It. I wish I wish teams would take a few more chances than than most of them do, right? And like sometimes it blows up in the Indians' face, and people will be like, oh, I can't believe you'd pick a fight with this writer or whatever. But like I don't know, let's everybody ease up a little bit and you know to tone down the outrage. Uh, where it's not necessary, and have a little fun sometimes, and enjoy, I don't know, making fun of people on Twitter, because what else are we using it for? It's a stupid format. Uh, you know, it's inherently stupid. You can only talk about things in 140 character bursts, unless you're doing a long tweet storm, which is now all the rage. I would suggest find someplace you can write a full paragraph, but hey, you know, do do what you will with, with that site, but uh, yeah, good for the Indians. Give me your last good thing. Uh, my last one is uh, the topic of sportsmanship generally. Um, I say this because <laughs> over, uh, over, sportsmanship over, is a good thing or sportsmanship is a bad thing. Uh, sportsmanship is a fluid concept, right? Okay. So, like over the um, over the weekend, there was this interesting moment where Ajax, this Dutch soccer team, had a player where um, in soccer it's a tradition where if one of your teammates goes down, you kick the ball out of play so he can get tended to, and then when he's okay again, the opposing team will give the team back the ball. Um, over the weekend, a Dutch soccer player... That's a, uh, weird, that's a weird tradition. I mean, I guess weird... kicking it out of bounds because your guy is hurt makes sense, right? But yeah. but giving the other team back the ball, like, I, 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 would, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and, that's, and this is the thing. So, like, this is like just kind of an unwritten etiquette, really. But over the weekend, the Dutch player uh, broke it. You should go and watch the video on the internet if you if you haven't seen it yet. But basically, he acts like he's about to kick the ball out of play. Uh, out of play. Um, everybody stops because his teammates on the ground writhing in agony. And just as they've all stopped and turned around, he just keeps going. Um, Psych! <laughs> Psych! And... You know, people were outraged and looked like it's a pretty shaky move from a sportsmanship perspective. But to be honest, like I kind of like see, I kind of like sports when there are people who are kind of nasty competitors. Because not only does it make me appreciate the truly good moments of sportsmanship, but I also kind of like different characters in in the sport, right? And I kind of like to see bad guys and good guys and rooting for one over the other and, and seeing guys compete in nasty ways and seeing guys compete in really classy ways. So um, my, I guess my overall point is, is that like, I'm not necessarily opposed to people displaying bad sportsmanship because it makes it such a great spectacle. But, um, you know, I'm curious what you think, Ted. I am so down on sportsmanship, Luke. I mean, <laughs> I'm uh, not a good person to talk to about this because, like, I, I, I want... If I'm participating in anything, 
I, like that's a competition. I tend to want to win so badly that everything else just sort of fades into the background, and it's just like, what can I do to win? So if it's a fight, yeah, I'll bite a guy. Like I would bite a guy. I don't care. Uh, I want to win, right? I'm not like I get in a lot of fights or bite a lot of people, but yeah, I mean, if it came down, I mean, there's no rules, right? I feel like if you're and like I get like I respect a guy who can carry himself with class off the field. Great, by all means, be classy, right? But when you're on the field, you're not on the field. You're not playing soccer to be a classy soccer guy. You're playing soccer to win the game, right? And so the match, um, I don't know. If, if it's between the lines in whatever sport, I would say as long as it's legal, um, and again, all sports have officials to make sure you're playing within the rules, um, I think you should do everything you can uh, within, you know, within the sports framework to win the game, right? A big one in baseball is stealing signs. Like, you're not supposed to steal signs. If, you, if you've got a runner on second base, he can look and he can see what the catcher is calling, and he can signal in some way to the batter what might be coming. Uh, teams guard their signs for this purpose, right? And, and catchers wouldn't have to go through a whole succession of signals if they could expect uh, the, second, the runner on second base to be sportsmanlike and not steal the signs. But you should absolutely steal the signs. You're trying to win the game. There's no like, oh, well, I'll be gentlemanly about that. Uh, no, 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 no. Win the game, right? Because ultimately history is going to smile upon the winners. I'd say the exception to me is like, um, there was a, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, a near-perfect game a few years ago before baseball had replay. Uh, a guy named Armando, Armando Galarraga, who was like a journeyman pitcher. It was clearly going to be the big moment of his life. He was throwing a perfect game. And the game ended, uh, or the perfect game ended, on a completely blown call at first base. Uh, like a replay showed that it was not even close. The runner was out. It should have been a perfect game. He was called safe. Um, the umpire later admitted he was wrong. And Galarraga just kind of smiled and handled it like such a gentleman. And I thought that was cool because that's a little bit different. It's not about what are you doing to win the game. It's just about like, okay, this circumstance happened to me. There's no way I could play it that will undo what just happened. So he played it classy, and I respect that. If it were me, I might have like actually tackled the ump and, and fought him right there on the spot because that's just how I'm going to be. I, like, it's just, I wish it weren't the case. I wish I could be classy about stuff. I'm not. Uh, so, so I can't say I have acted the same way, but I do remember really respecting that and thinking it was sort of a beautiful thing. But in terms of the actual competition, no, I say push every limit as far as you possibly can uh, to win. Yeah, no, and that's that kind of. There are a lot of people, especially in golf, and I know in baseball too, who say, you know, no, um, there there are there are rules that you must abide by, and then there are unwritten rules which you also everyone must abide by. I don't think so. I think you abide by the rules, obviously, um, and you push them as far as they can go. But you know, I, I basically I don't begrudge somebody who pushes the rules as far as they can go because to me, um, I like rooting for sports with lots of different characters in it. Right? It's boring when everybody's just the same and doing the same thing and speaking the same way. I kind of like watching uh, competitors, some of which are really classy and winning in defeat, and some of them who are just really bitter and who are bad losers. You know, I, I, I kind of like seeing lots of different things. I don't want to watch the same script every single time. So that's why, like, I don't begrudge people who 
uh, who uh, will be a little shady sometimes. So I don't want them to break the rules, obviously. But like, if they're bending the rules or like they're finding loopholes in the rules, and um, I kind of, I kind of like that. It kind of makes things more interesting to me. Yeah, a classic example, and and we got to wrap up soon. But another baseball example: um, Alex Rodriguez, famously on a pop up, he was running the bases. Uh, a couple infielders were circling under a pop up, and as he ran by, he yelled out something along the lines of "I got it," and they they sort of both guys stepped away and and let the ball fall. Um, now that you know, again, not a nice thing to do, right? It's not like the classy move in that spot, but I would say that. Every single time in my life I have been in that situation, I have done exactly the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's if smart. I've got the presence of mind to do it, you're trying to help your team win, right? And if these, these idiots listen to you instead of their teammates and let the ball drop, well, then you just helped your team win. So I got no, I got no beef with that. I got no particular time for sportsmanship. Uh, it's a wildly overrated quality. No, uh, I'm with you. It's smart, and I, and I don't think we should try to um, tell everybody in sports to act the same way because then it'll just get boring and really vanilla. Exactly, exactly. You, yeah. If everybody's head down following the unwritten rules, then we don't get to have, then we don't get to yell about how dumb the unwritten rules are. So uh, I'm all for it, and I think it's a it's a good point. I thought the video was funny. Good for that soccer guy for thinking that one through. Yes, and he was doing a two 0 up too, which is just even better. Right, because that's like a that's like a blowout inside. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, You're never coming back from down two, not inside. <laughs> Heavens no. Yeah, uh, Luke, I gotta let you go. Uh, thanks again for joining. You can check out the For the One podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. Rate us, review us in all formats. We love the feedback, Luke. It is always good to hear from you, and I, I hope you have a good day. 